Good morning, guys. This is Uche, and I am the Sneaker Principal. Um, this morning, I want to share something I discovered last night. Um, I've been spending time just exploring um, what schools look like, um, alternative schools, alternative um, th- thoughts, thought process around schools, um, unusual school setups, um, ideologies, philosophies around um, education. Especially in this world that we live in, where we're debating between public schools, charter schools, private schools, and different ways of connecting to students and families and educating for the future. So I came across um, something that I'd, have, I'd heard of it before, but I wasn't really keen on what it really was. And this is the free school movement, which has been around for quite some time now. I think it goes back to um, um, the early 19th century, I believe. Um and um, yeah, so I'm going to talk to you just briefly about what I discovered about it and my thoughts about it. Okay, so let's start the show. And now he's been promoted. His job, principal. So again, guys, welcome um, to this episode of the Sneaky Principal Podcast. And um, and so, yes, I've been kind of like reading up on school systems um, and just philosophies and ideas around how to better educate children, especially children in urban settings. And um, I've always wondered why uh, there's such a, a, how do I put this? A singular system of educating in the inner city that doesn't necessarily um, exist in other places. Or better yet, there are other ways of educating or philosophies that just seem to not exist in the inner city and urban settings. And not necessarily just urban settings, but settings where you have um, poor people of color um, and just those who are disenfranchised by the um, more elite um, in society. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, you, you think about things like charter schools and how charter schools for the most part look like um, maybe in some cases better run public schools, same philosophy, same concepts, same tools, same um, end results, at least end goals. Um, but, you know, when you look at schools like um, in like New York City, you look at KIPP and you look at um, Harlem Success Academies, they tend to produce better than public schools. And people will say it's because of the resources they have, um, the fact that they, they're able to kind of like um, screen students going in. Um, then other cases, people talk about how they tend to um, be able to also remove kids from those settings that might not um, necessarily be successful there or might be hampering learning in the classroom. And then, but, but so it ends up being a, a more ideal setting um, for what public schools would, would want to look like. Uh, and charter schools are public schools. It's just that the way they're funded and their then the oversight is just a little bit more independent. Um, so I was looking at that. Then you hear things like Montessori philosophies on how students learn in schools. Um, and then you hear about um, other other um, types of schooling, pro- project based learning. There's schools that they did that, um, that the philosophy is not around testing. Yep, IB programs where they test, but the kids are learning. Uh, material that's considered to be more on a higher level or, or more college level. And um, so you have all these types of, of learning and learning spaces. Um, but one of the things that's always interested me and 
is how um, the elite educate their children. So um, prior to coming to, coming to America, um, I did my schooling in Nigeria. When in Nigeria doesn't have uh, a strong public school system. If you want to, if you want a solid education, um, you have to pay for it. You have to go through the uh, the private school route. And then education as a whole in Nigeria is not um, standardized in the sense of there isn't a national standard of what that looks like. You have national testing that is used to gauge um, your um, your level of of um, I'm sorry. This at this point, my brain is not working. Um, your your aptitude and your 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 level of competence in core core contact areas. So you find yourself um, going through school. And you're preparing for the common interest exam, but there's not necessarily a national standard where you can say, well, every school is doing this, or you have to follow this. If you don't follow this, you don't get funding because most of the schools are private. So what the schools do is they know these are the standards that are needed for this test. So they make sure you're ready for the test. But at the same time, pretty much schools have their own autonomy to to attack the core content the way they want to attack it. So um, so private schools ends up being like a very um, lucrative space to be in. And literally, it, it also closes out a lot of families. If you can't afford private school, then, you know, you're, you're kind of out of luck. And also within that space, if you can't, if it's also a question of what kind of private school can you afford. If you are very wealthy, you can have you can send your kids to IB schools, American schools, British schools that exist in Nigeria. But if you're not as wealthy, you will be probably going to more something more local that's akin to public education, but you still have to pay for it. So um with that being said, when I was in Nigeria as a kid, I went to a decent private school in Kano, um in um in Kano, which was the city we were living in. Um, in Nigeria, in the state of, uh, and and being there, this was a very good school. And afterwards, I took my common interest exams. I did really well, and I was accepted into the Nigerian Air Force um, Military School, which was at that time and still considered one of the best um, um, schools in the country. It was federally run, but it was very elite. Only but so many kids got in. Actually, when you got in, your name was published nationwide in the papers. It was a big deal to go to go to the school. And when you got there, it was a military school, but you had a very robust um, education. And um, you were also sitting in classrooms and living in dorms. It was a boarding school with the children of the elite, especially the, the elite in the military and the government. So it was that kind of space. And it was, it was interesting is that I remember from back then, which is many years ago, the amount of time you're being given as far as your learning, the, 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 the robust learning and comp, um, um, subjects you're, you're being covered. Back then, you were taking Latin. Um, I remember taking chemistry as early as, which would have been um, fifth, sixth grade, like with, with these amazing labs. And this was in 1980s Nigeria. So definitely there was a different level of um, of education for those kids who were able to go to that school. And the thing too about this school, it was free because it was federal. So they were literally pulling the best kids, young men in the country into the school who wanted to um, probably pursue government or the military in their future. So there was definitely a difference in what I received there that I know my friends who went to, to just regular um, private schools received. And then when I came here to America, I remember coming here and, and I was I came here and I was in the sixth grade. And um, 
you're telling them in the sixth grade and being very confused as far as, you know, walking to classrooms, sitting in rows and <clears throat> having the whole entire day regimented. And it was just really, um, what, six hours, six, 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 seven hours of just back to back classes with no, with no real socialization or, or, or push towards leadership, individual leadership in, in that space. And I could, and I would say, okay, it was a military school. Leadership was a very big thing in that, in those spaces, um, making decisions and, 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 and being autonomous was a big deal as part of developing your leadership stance. And that wasn't the case here. And I went on to high, of course, middle school here. I went to high school I went to college and there, and it's funny now that as, as an educator, as I look at school systems and we have these conversations about what is it exactly happens in schools, you, um, I, I can't help but wonder, like, why is it different? Why is it so different? You know, if we're talking about education for every child, why is it so different um, from from space to space, you know? And also you wonder, does 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 do the power that, that be realize that, you know, you might, say, you might use the word education, but every child is getting something different and based on their their groups, you know, the rich kids versus the poor kids versus the suburban kids versus the urban kids. You might say they're covering the same subjects, but the way this approach is very different and what's taken out of it is extremely different. So um, right here, um, I found this. Let me see. I got, let, me, let me reduce the screen here so you can see more of um, the article. Move myself down here. So, um, so I came across this article about free schools, and what baffled me about free schools um, is the fact that um, they're um, they're based on on the democratic philosophy of learning, and not only that. Um, the art, um, I came across a couple of articles, and they all had the same theme, and like this article right here from the Atlantic. Uh, I think it was published in 2012. And it says here, the title of the article, no teachers, no class, no homework. Would you send your, your kids here? And of course, being an educator, being a principal at that, you're thinking no teachers, no class, no homework. I'm not shocked by that, personally. I don't sit there and be like, oh my God, how can you have no teachers? Because, um, like I said, I went to a military school where independent learning and a lot of autonomy and spaces for you to really build your knowledge base was 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 built in there for you. So it's funny because I don't remember as much time that I spent with my teachers as I do remember a lot of time I spent in the library and studying and studying with my peers and doing projects, you know. So so I, I can see that, you know. But then it says no class, no class. I'm thinking no class. What does that mean? No class. Oh, they no homework. Okay, no homework. I get that because in Finland, um, which is considered, uh, I believe, the top uh, school system in the world, um, if not top five, um, homework is virtually non-existent. Kids come to school to engage in exploration and your learning, but going home to do homework is something that, that they found to be not necessary. You know, if kids are going to go home, they're not uh, to do work. They're not doing homework, but they're engaging, pursuing a deeper understanding of what they learn in school because of the engagement and the way it's been framed for them in, in, in school. So when they come home, they're like, I want to learn more about that. So when I go back to school tomorrow, I can further deepen the conversation based on what I've learned. So um, 
So, so yeah. So with this, the free school, uh, I think it was open about a hundred years ago. It was it was started with um with uh, I think they said about two hundred. Right here in this article it says two hundred students of all ages participating in this radical experiment. Um, let me let me highlight that section. Uh, can I get this up here? Okay, here we go. So for you, for those of you watching this on YouTube, I just want to make sure that you can see. So um. But I want to read to you for those of you who are listening. It said, these students don't take any classes. They don't specifically ask. Um, actually, I'm sorry. These students don't take any classes. They don't specifically ask to have taught. They can spend time doing whatever they want as long as it doesn't, as long as it's not destructive or criminal. Reading, playing, video games, cooking, making art. Um, the teachers in the school are called, they're not called teachers. The adults are not called teachers. They call staff members. No one technically holds the title of teacher. Kids establish rules and meet out punishments by democratic process, whereby each member in the community has one vote, which means that the adults are, um, are outnumbered by the kids by almost, almost 20 to 1. Unlike at most private schools, students are admitted without regard to the academic records. So we're talking about a space that mirrors the real world, or at least what we want the real world to look like, you know, and... And like, think about it as an adult, if I want to learn something, I'm learning it because I want to, not because I have to. Okay. Someone might say, well, what about for your job? Okay. But I have that job. So technically speaking, if I'm learning something it's because I want to, so I can make more money, but I don't really have to, or I may want to, so I can be, I can be more rich, but not necessarily because I have to. So these are very interesting, um, interesting environment. So I read the article and it was talking about how different kids were engaged in um, um, in these spaces based on um, um, failures they were having in their regular traditional schools. Kids were struggling to learn, and these spaces um, they really put learning on on really focusing on student interests um, has actually yielded pretty good results. Um, so one of the, so for let me see here. I just want to show you something real quick. So I was wondering, like, where is where can I find something like this near, near me? So in Brooklyn, you have the Brooklyn Free School, and what I learned so far is exactly what they said is exactly what happens. So um, sorry for that. I had to take a brief break. So um, what did I discover here? So the things I discovered about from this school here is that, um, first of all, first question, because you, the name is Brooklyn Free School. So I'm, my first question is off the bat, so is it free? <laughs> but of course, as you, as you, I'm sure you've surmised from what I've said so far, it's not um, the freedom, the free part of the school is based on the philosophy of having democratic space where um, um, kids are, be, uh, uh, students are being given the freedom to dictate their learning. Um, there's a lot of portions of it that's kind of, that seems a little loosey goosey for me, and I guess I just have to do more research to figure out what that space, what those things mean. Like for example, I read that um, uh, that students at some point can actually create their own transcripts and and um, grade themselves, and then be ready to opt out of the school and apply for graduation. So it's not a you have to take all these credits and things of that nature. You know, it's it's more along the lines of 
you build the body knowledge that you need to move on to the next level. But the question is, how do you know that you have the body knowledge that you need? Um, but one of the other things I think is very interesting, um, I'll get back to the whole notion about the free part, is um, it's very small. I think it says that every year they graduate about 20 kids or, 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 or um, less. So, and so, which is interesting because it means you're in a space where you're not, you're not with like my school is um, about 500 kids. So every year I'm graduating about roughly um, 90 to over a hundred kids. But you're only talking about 20 kids on average from what I, what I read from, from, from at least from the Brooklyn free school. And I might be wrong, but I'm just going based on what I read. So to be in a space that small, it's very easy to make those connections and to really get to know students very well and really guide them through their learning. And, um, and that's something that's very powerful because somebody might say, like, how do you have kids learn and grow and know what they need to know if they're where, if there's no real concrete, but it seems to, there is definitely concrete because these kids are actually doing well and graduating, going on to college and, and a lot of them, this has been going off over a hundred years. So, they're they're living their lives, you know, and the videos that I watched on YouTube showed very intelligent, well, very eloquent kids sitting in spaces where I'm seeing eight year olds who are engaging very, you know, adult level conversations and and reasoning with high school with high schoolers or high school age kids, and um, there's a sense of of you know of freedom to express yourself, you know, articulately that um. I know it's a struggle for a lot of schools, even in my school, to really get kids to that place. Um, so to see a kid who's, you know, seven, eight years old, voicing your opinion very clearly and articulately to maybe a 17, 18 year old, you're like, whoa, you know, that's something that's not common because we spend so much time keeping kids apart from each other. You know, it's, which is funny because at in a family, the five-year-old and the seven-year-old and the eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 11, they all engage each other in conversation. But in schools, we keep them separate. You know, six years old, six year olds only speak to six year olds. Twelve year olds only speak to twelve year olds. You know, you know, and even once they get older, you know, typically speaking, it's still put in age groups. You know, and then what ends up happening is we wonder why our kids struggle with communication and being able to express themselves articulately. So, um, but yeah. So, but real quick. So, also, so the cost of this, I'm thinking, okay, what is this? Is this a public school? Is this a charter school? So, it's a private school. And uh, it's a not-for-profit private school. And, okay, tuition. So I looked up tuition. Let me, actually, let me show you what I looked up. I typed in the free Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn School Tuition. And what came up was interesting. So here it says, and this Wikipedia, it's twenty two thousand a year. I'm thinking, whoa, okay, that's that's that level next level money, right? Twenty two thousand dollars a year. But then it says here that um, the sliding scales for tuition is set at twenty two thousand. The school graduate twenty one students um, as of 2012, 24, 2015. Students compile their own transcripts, nominate themselves for that graduation, take some standardized state takes. Some take standardized, um, standardized state and college interest tests. So, 
So I'm thinking, okay, what is the sliding scale? What does that mean? But still, 22000 is a lot of money. And this is based on what it has on here for the Brooklyn Free School. But then when I went, went down and scrolled down on Google, there's, there's uh, where does it say? It says right here, sliding scale tuition, Brooklyn Free School. So it takes me back to the, our website. So here, which is very interesting, it says here, sliding, sliding scale tuition. It says the Brooklyn Free School offers sliding scale tuition, which enables all BFS families to educate their children as equal members of an economically, socially, and culturally diverse community. Sliding scale tuition is based on the principle that a family's financial commitment should be in equitable proportion to its financial resources. Brooklyn Free School asks all families to complete a financial fact, I'm sorry, a financial worksheet by submitting a facts financial assessment. This assessment is used to calculate a student's tuition. We refer to it, we refer to this as a contracted tuition amount. If families choose to opt out of completing a facts assessment, they are committed to pay maximum tuition, thirty thousand, for our lower for our lower school pre-K through sixth grade, and thirty-three thousand for the upper school twelfth through seventh grade. Um, publics that families that says again in asterisks, families that receive pu- public assistance may submit proof of aid rather than complete a fact assessment. That's incredible, you know. First of all. The tuition's incredible, <laughs> you know. That is on, on par with some of our, uh, our very like top colleges in the country as far as tuition is concerned. But um, but the the fact that even the process of tuition is democratic, and and they speak about equity and and giving access to um to students regardless of the economic background or race and and to think about it, they 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 in here they make it very clear, they state it very clearly equal members of an economically, racially, and culturally diverse community. Um, I would love to visit the school to really you know, be a fly on the wall and see how things go and what and how they make this work. Because um, this is something that's incredible. You know, we when we talk about school choice, um, one of the things that is very rare is when you find spaces where choice gives you an option of being within a community school where it's dictated by those who are in that space and not by, by outsiders too often we, we are in spaces where it's like, you have to kind of like, um, kind of your kind of victim to whatever somebody else on the outside is telling you. Some, some, someone in, in the mayor's office or in, in the state or the federal government dictating to you what's happening in the microcosm of your community. So to have a space like this, where, it says, okay, this is this is for the community, but we also recognize the community is diverse. There are very wealthy people and very poor people, but all your children have um, deserve access to a quality education. That is that is dope. Um, I I just want to share this with you guys. Um, um, please let me know what you think. Like, is this something that you're experienced with? What has it been your experience with it? And um, and also, why why isn't something like this more common? You know, common across the board. I know. I know public education is an it's it's with the benefit is is that it's free. But I also always I've always wondered what would happen if we had very strong <clears throat> free public education, but also affordable private education. You know, as as a counterpoint 
You know, like if if we live, if we live in a free market, we're not create a space where these spaces compete with each other, and the government can put their money behind what they believe, and also create spaces where parents can take some of that money and put it into private spaces as well. Um, I think competition competition is very important, and I think across the board, what it does is create a space where we um, can provide the best um, for all of our children. So. Uh, so yeah, so that's it for right now. I got to go start my day. It's been a pleasure again having you offer me an ear into my rambles. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys again. All right, peace.